0: Good morning. i glad you're here today. We are starting a message series that we've called What's Best Today. And I hope the message series, as we walk through it over the next several weeks, it's going to be a seven-part series. And I hope it brings an edge, helps you gain an edge for making the most of the year ahead. That's, that's our goal in this. In, in this series, we're going to look at how to discern what's the best thing to do right now. How does God help us with that? So, as you live your days, you're actually planting seeds with the words and actions you choose in the moment. This, this is how it how it goes. You You plant seeds every day. And then you look back and you experience the fruit from the choices you've made day after day. After day, so we're going to look at that as life goes screaming by, we choose what we're going to do each day, and it seems like the menu is limitless. The options seem somewhat limitless if we consistently choose what's best from the perspective of God, we have a good life we We humans we have this tendency to uh, hit a point in the middle of our lives where we reevaluate what's gone on in our life up to that day how we've used our time uh, from from the beginning to where we're at at that point uh, it's called midlife crisis I don't know when I was there I think it hits around 38 to 42 is the estimate and uh, when I was there I heard a lot about it I haven't heard a lot about it lately maybe it's that reticular activating system in the back of your brain that you know you once you're dealing with something it everything it shows up you know you you see a blue honda or something you've never seen it before and they're all over the freeway after you notice it that's kind of how the brain works but i haven't heard a lot about it lately uh but here's a clip from a movie called city slickers i may have shown this i'm almost positive if you're a movie person you've seen this Shows the main character at his kid's school sharing about his job on career day. And unfortunately, he follows who you follow in any any circumstance really matters. He follows a guy, the dad, who is a construction worker, but an excellent storyteller. He has the elementary school kids in the palm of his hand, and they're just hanging on every word, cracking up, really enjoying it. Well... This, this sends Mitch, Billy Crystal's character, into a tailspin trying to figure out what he's doing with his life. He's right in the middle of midlife. Let's listen to
1: his uh, monologue here. Value this time in your life, kids, because this is the time in your life when you still have your choices. And it goes by so fast. When you're a teenager, you think you can do anything, and you do. Your 20s are a blur. 30s. You raise your family, you make a little money, and you think to yourself, what happened in my 20s? 40s, you grow a little pot belly, you grow another chin. The music starts to get too loud, and one of your old girlfriends from high school becomes a grandmother. 50s, you have a minor surgery. You'll call it a procedure, but it's a surgery. 60s, you'll have a major surgery. The music is still loud, but it doesn't matter because you can't hear it anyway. 70s, you and the wife retire to Fort Lauderdale. Start eating dinner at two o'clock in the afternoon. You have lunch around ten. Breakfast the night before. Spend most of your time wandering around malls looking for the ultimate soft yogurt and muttering, "How come the kids don't call? How come the kids don't call?" The '80s, you'll have a major stroke. You end up babbling with some Jamaican nurse who your wife can't stand, but who you call mama. Any questions?
0: Here you go. Great, great speech for an elementary school classroom. I tell you what, and, and that really hurts for a guy who just had his gallbladder taken out, okay? <laughs> that, that's a little, that, that really hurts. Anyway, you can see Mitch, he's at the middle and he's starting to evaluate what he's given his life to, what life, what life is like, you see kind of a spectrum of the flow of life. And he definitely feels like life is bland and boring and empty to this point. He's lost, he wants to know how to find the best life. He's searching for that. It's important to step back consistently and think about our life so we don't end up regretting what we've given our time to at the middle or the end. Either place, in the middle or the end. So it requires us to really step back and look at the big picture, find out what's most important, and then give ourselves to that as the days flow by God, thankfully, provides some helpful perspective in Psalm 34, and it is crystal clear what he thinks most important as the days are flying by. David wrote this psalm. He was king of Israel at this time when he wrote the psalm. He was not. It had been prophesied that he was going to be the king and he was not the king, but he wrote it shortly after he defeated the giant Goliath. And that's a famous story, epic. Most people have heard about David and Goliath. He, he just defeats this go- Goliath, this giant, and he wins a major victory for his country by defeating the giant. Uh, it's an amazing triumph because all the soldiers, he's a little teenage guy, ready, teenage guy, they said, and And none of the soldiers wanted to fight this dude. I mean, Goliath was a huge guy, strong, powerful, ripped, warrior. Everybody's afraid David steps in and beats him. Amazing triumph. It's an amazing thing that's just gone on. And he should have received the country's highest medal of honor for what he did. But it was a new country. They didn't have a medal of honor, I don't think. He should have received that. Instead, he becomes a target for King Saul, who starts chasing him down. He starts hunting him and chasing him down to take him out because he's a threat. The women are singing songs. Saul slain his hundreds, David his thousands. So, you know, hey, if you're the king, you don't like that kind of thing. So he's chasing him down to take him out. And for a time, while this hunt is going on, David completely trusted God. He he hid in caves in the hill country of Judea, it says. He ran for his life trying to avoid the wrath of King Saul, all the while trusting God. The problem is he hit a point where he turned from trusting God. And he took matters into his own hands and he began to rely on his own cunning to avoid the chase. Of the king, And what he does is he's with a band of about 300 men who've gathered around him. He coalesced this team of men, this band of mighty warriors. These guys were amazing. And so they're around him and they're, they're going through dealing with whatever David faces in trouble, trying to really help the cause of the king. King Saul, they're really trying to serve the king. But he hits this point where they run into trouble. And they need they need some food to keep going in the battle and in you know the the chase to keep going and so he goes into the priest Ahimelech, and and he tells four lies in a single breath to get some food from the priest so his men can eat. That's that's what you call taking matters into your own hands. <laughs> Trying to figure out how to make it on your own kind. Not leaving, not leaving your future in God's hands. So he tells four lies in a single breath, and then he concocts a horrible plan to protect himself. He decides to go to Gath, the capital of the Philistines, to seek political asylum. Now, is that crazy? I mean, he's going to go to the capital of the country he just defeated in war and seek political asylum. That's a crazy plan. That's a that's a very bad idea. But he follows through on it. He goes to Goliath. I mean, he goes to Philistines where he he had just defeated them by beating their their chief warrior, Goliath, and. Can you imagine what's going to happen when he shows up in Gath? Think about this. If they had most wanted posters at the time, he's like at the top of the list. He walks into the city, he's immediately captured and put in irons. So he's immediately captured, he's put in chains, and so he's thinking, uh oh, <laughs> that was. Now he realizes this was a really bad idea. <laughs> this was not a good thought. And so the next thing he does, he, he's, he's called into the presence of Ahimla, or Achish, the king of uh, Gath, or the king of the Philistines. And he's in his presence and he decides, okay, I know what I'll do now. I'm going to act crazy. So he starts foaming at the mouth, slobbering, and you know, kind of jumping around, acting like a crazy man. And Achish releases him out of disgust. This guy's nuts. And so he lets him go and he comes back to the cave of Adullam. He's he's been hiding in caves, running from Saul. He and his men, they gather in this cave of Adullam. And that's where Psalm 34 begins. He begins the psalm. With a song of praise, I will bless the Lord at all times who has delivered me. And he sings a song. And after singing the song of praise and gratitude, he begins to, to tell us what life is all about. Because, you know, a brush with death will bring some clarity to what you should have done or what you should be doing with your life. That's the way God intended. So, this this brush with death causes him to re reevaluate, and he follows the song by giving God's perspective we need. Choosing what's best each day plants the seeds for the, for the best life. This is what he says. He's speaking to these three hundred men that have coalesced around him, and he's he's trying to you know. Bring things into focus for them after he had just had this narrow escape from King Achish because of his bad plan. This is what he says to them. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Who of us doesn't want the good life? We really want it. Keep your tongue from evil. This is how you get it. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. He had just told the four lies. This is on the heels of the wrong way. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. David had recently lied And deceived his way out of a very bad circumstance. That's a major understatement. (laughs) I mean, that king was about to take him to the public square and take him out. So he says this on the heels of doing all the wrong things. And he knows as he's doing these things what's right. And so he goes back to that. The brush with death. God's gracious. Action in allowing him to escape the irons that the king had put him in brings real clarity to what life is about. Here's the key that he gives to loving life and having many good days that'll stack up to make the best kind of life. Turn away from evil and do good. That's the heart of what he's saying there. Everything else is more detail of what it means to turn away from evil and do good. This is how you do what's best today. And we're going to look at details and factors and how to think about this and how how to choose that as we go through the day. Because choosing to do the good that God wills in every part of our lives is the key to doing what's best. God's will and guidance, it accomplishes it all of life. Our family, our friendships, our free time, our work, our school, our recreation, dating, finances, use of time. If we can keep turning away from evil and doing good, then we're planting the best kind of life. Now, that seems like it should be easy. To do good. I, you know, I'm going to get up today and I'm going to do good. I'm going to go to the breakfast table. I'm going to aim to do good toward my family. I'm going to go to work or whatever's next and I'm going to do the good. I'm gonna it. But there's always opposition. We always have to battle to accomplish it. just like David. The Philistines were enemies. You expect opposition from enemies from people who don't agree with you. They're not heading the same direction but he he received opposition from king saul who should have made him the most decorated soldier of all time in the history of israel but instead he chased him with a desire to take him out david was only trying to do good he was very loyal to the king he and his 300 men were serving the king he was trying to do good he got scared And he trusted in his own strength and cunning, and he narrowly escaped the trouble. This is a picture of what it takes to do good. Sounds simple. Hey, what's best today? Do good. Doesn't that sound? I mean, it sounds great. Hey, hey, that brings all the clarity I need (laughs) right now. Hey, I get up in the morning. What should I do today? What's the best thing to do? Good. That's that's clear. But there's always opposition. We always have to turn from evil to do good. When the way the world was originally created, God created it. It was good, Scripture says, but every man and woman rebelled. That rebellion has created this situation where to do good, we have to turn from evil. I want to look at four villains of progress to doing good that we deal with some of them are outside of us some of them come from the outside we're certainly influenced all of them influence us but but most of the things we deal with in doing good are from the inside out they're are they're, they're villains of our own making and they we experience them because we we don't know we haven't chosen to focus on what we need to 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 accomplish the good of that day so let's look at four villains of progress the villain in the plot of a story is the character whose evil actions or motives oppose the progress of the hero now here are some famous heroes and villains from comic books and I'm not a comic book guy you know I'm sure somebody else could tell you all about these guys but I'm gonna give you a little quiz here superman Here's Superman. Who is Superman's villain that he has to deal with? Do you know? Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor. All right, there he is. And, and the next hero, Spider-Man. Who's, who's the, the villain? I, there may be more than one. Green Goblin, did I hear that? Hey, look at you guys. You're way better than I would have been if I wasn't getting ready for this message. <laughs> How about uh, Thor? Thor? Who's his villain? Loki, yeah, Loki. His his brother, it turns out. Iron Man. Now, Iron Man was a little tough for me. I didn't I didn't know this one. Is, are there a bunch of them? Yes. The one I picked was Mandarin. That that's his. The villain in the story is a major part of the plot line because it would be really boring if. There wasn't a villain. <laughs> Can you imagine a superhero movie without a villain? I mean, come on. They just go around doing good. The, the reason is, well, there's really less good to do if you don't have people causing trouble. Okay, that's the way God made the world to begin with. But we rebelled. Now we have to deal with the evil in the world. And these, these stories resonate with us. Because this is how life is. To make progress to do good, you have to battle evil from within and without. This, this is the way life is. We have to turn away from evil to do good. In everyday life, the villains of progress create frustration for us. They derail progress as we try to choose the good that we want to do. So I want to look at these. The first villain is ambiguity. Not deciding what's important to do right now. We just let life happen. Or as we're experiencing things, as things, circumstances come against us, or as we're living life and trouble crops up, we just don't decide. We're just trying to, to make it through. When life is screaming by, our plans can get blown apart by interruptions or unforeseen trouble or conflict. If we're undecided about the most important things, then we get derailed from doing good. We have to know what's most important. And we're going to look at that in this series. That's one of the things we're going to do. We don't want to get derailed. For instance, if... You're following Christ. You're a Christ follower. That means knowing Christ is our number one priority for following him. We have to carve out the time to get to know him by praying, reading scripture, getting into learning more about him. That's how you learn more about him. When you plan to meet with him, you intend to get up in the morning and you're going to you're going to meet with him. But something happens, something occurs, and that gets blown up. The time goes away if the time with Him goes away and you don't get it back unless you fight for it. Unless you fight the villain. You have to decide that that time with God is the most important thing that day. You can't be ambiguous. You have to fight ambiguity and you have to say, okay, hey, got blown out this morning. Maybe I need to make an appointment with him later on, sometime in the day where there's some downtime. I'm going to set it aside. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get into the scripture like I intended to. We all need to fight ambiguity. Family is very high on a list of priorities. I'm sure if I asked most of the folks here what, what's on your list, family would be very high up on that list of priorities. When conflict or trouble strikes, we can pull back into self-mode and cause damage by doing that. It's easy to want me time and disengage from building relationships that matter over time. We have to decide that that family relationship is a priority and fight the tendency to pull back. Where is ambiguity Ambiguity impacting me? That's a good question to ask. Where is it impacting me? Where am I fighting? Where am I letting my priorities get tossed all around? And I'm not choosing what's most important now. Where, where am I not clear on what's most important now? This villain is happy to keep us defeated. Next, we need to be aware of the villain of overload. That's another one. Feeling overwhelmed so we can't see what's most important right now. Just just the feeling of being overwhelmed can fog up our day so that we just don't hardly have the energy to do what we need to do right now. It's, it's challenging when it feels like responsibilities are piling up. And just when we think we're at full capacity We remember something else we got to do or somebody calls with a request. We've got to decide if we're going to do that or not. Right. Right. When we think we're at full capacity, whoa, something else goes on. And, you know, we feel like that might be the straw that broke the camel's back or my back, whichever one. We're not quite sure. We have to wisely learn how to navigate those moments. Because my experience in life, as I faithfully handle the things that are right on my plate now, I'm going to get more things to handle. And my capacity keeps increasing as I walk with the Lord and as I do what he wants, wants me to do with my, my life. And so I have to decide as I remember those things, oh, where am I going to work that in to my schedule Or somebody calls and they have a request and it's a really good thing to do. It would be great to help them. But would it be the best thing? So I have to learn to eliminate the things that aren't the best and focus on the things that are. And I have to trust God to help me. When I get overwhelmed, which is quite often, frankly, (laughs) and I feel overloaded and I get overwhelmed I have a decision to make. Am I going to try to move forward on my own strength, or am I going to trust God to give me what I need when I get there? Because most of the reason I'm overwhelmed is what's happening later on, not right now. And so I have an opportunity to choose faith and trust God as I think about moving forward. Another villain that we may, may not be as easy to detect is a lack of fulfillment. Living a faithful life can seem so boring. I mean, it's like, it's like farming. It really is. We, we just drove up to Turlock in the middle of the state, uh, Cindy's hometown. And there are all kinds of fields. You see all kinds of fields. And kind of like maybe like this field here. This is a field. The, the rows are awesome. And I, I can't I'd talk to a farmer, and it's amazing how they make these now with GPS and all this. They, they look how straight those are. It's awesome. But anyway, think about the steady and faithful habits of those farmers, the routines of their lives. Let's say it's a lettuce farmer. I think this is probably a lettuce farm. Um, their routines don't change very much. There's, there's a flow to life. There's an ebb and flow, there's a rhythm planting and harvesting. There's prep time. You have to fix the irrigation or set up the irrigation. You have to prepare the soil. You're digging trenches. There's planting time. There's a whole process involved in seeding. I'm a city boy, so I can't tell you much about that, but I'm sure there's a whole process in that. Time before the harvest where you're inspecting for problems, you're checking leaks, you're making sure the irrigation is working. There's a lot of waiting. Waiting, waiting. Then it's harvest time and all hands on deck. You're pushing hard. You're trying to bring it in. You're working long hours into the night and you don't want to waste anything. And then what's next? You do it all again. Either in that field or another field. There's there's a rhythm to life. Life is like that. You, you're, you're planting. It's like farming. Parenting's like that. You're planting every day. You're deciding how you're going to relate to your kids. And you're planting seeds in the words and actions you choose. Same with other relationships, family relationships or friendships. It's like that with finances. As, as the money comes in, you're deciding where you're going to plant it. Some of it you need to use, but the, the extra, what are you going to, where are you going to plant it? Walking with God is like that. You, you don't get to know God all at once. You come to church and you have an experience and you see the light and you know him. You, you get to know God by investing little bits of time every day to understand him and then walking through the day with him, trying to sort out how he wants you to make the most of it. This is how life is. We plant seeds daily that take time to grow and they turn into fruit. We need to accept the rhythm of planting and reaping. This is how life is. This is, this is what it is. The best life grows out of turning from evil and planting good seed through our words and our actions. Then we have to be patient Well, the good stuff grows. The next villain, the last villain, rides piggyback on this one, the lack of fulfillment. Fear of missing out, FOMO. It's the fear of missing out, FOMO for short. It's fearing that we're going to waste our life and miss out on all the fun. This this is where Mitch from the, the scene in the movie was. An opportunity to do something I really enjoy shows up right when I've already made a commitment to fill in the blank, a friend, my family, ministry, some kind of church commitment, work. And I can choose to go ahead and plant the good that I've intended to do or I can go for the fun. That's FOMO. It's the fear of missing out on the good life. And if I don't do what the opportunity is to have fun right now, I'm going to miss it. But if I do the fun thing out of FOMO, I could do some serious damage to my stewardships. So we have to make a choice. This is a villain. This is a, something we deal with every day. The good news is God wants to help us deal with these villains. We defeat the villains by orienting our lives around God and his will. The goal of this series is to look into scripture to gain perspective and help win the battle against these villains. How how can knowing God, this is the question we're answering, how can knowing God make us productive people who have something to show for their life? How is it that he does that? The theme verse for the series, the backdrop verse, is Ephesians 5:15 through 17. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. There it is again. To choose the wise, we have to deal with the evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. To determine what's best today requires wisdom. An unwise approach just lets life happen and doesn't step back and look at the big picture. Look carefully means to live in an exact way like an acrobat. The the word acrobat, the, the word in the original language Greek is acrobat. It means to be exactly we've got to learn how to do that. If you're you know, you want to practice a few times before they remove the net. <laughs> if you're an acrobat, you know, and and you got to You got to learn. Okay, how do I how do I deal with it when I'm starting to go this way? You know, you're you're learning, you're you're focusing on the details of life. So just like that, as you learn to walk with God. He wants to teach you. He wants to help you, but you have to invite him into your every day. You have to be concerned. You have to be referencing him. You have to a godly life means to be God-referenced. So as you're living your day, you're, you're thinking about him. And you're trying to figure out, what do I do now? God, can you help me figure out what do I do now? Our time is limited on earth, and he wants to help us make the most of it. He wants to use us for his purpose. Meaning, fulfillment, and purpose flow out of choosing what's best today. Letting God teach you how to live carefully and walk with him. So in the next six messages, we're going to step back and look at how to choose what's best today. Next week, we're going to look at what God once done. We'll be looking at how the will of God encompasses every part of life and the major direction he gives to help us choose to do what's most important right now. To have a fruitful and meaningful life, we have to do. Do the right things. And we have a bunch of stewardships. You know, we, our, our life is a stewardship. How we handle our own life. Our, our walk with God. Our, our uh, family life. Our work. Uh, parent, kids are a stewardship. Our marriage is a stewardship. We have a lot of stewardships. So how, how, how does God give direction in handling all of those different areas of life? To have a fruitful, meaningful life, you have to do the right things. Not just get everything done faster. We have to choose the right things. Week three, we're going to look at the best. Words and actions that show love are the best, most productive things. Unlove is completely unproductive. We're going to look at how that is. Week four, freedom produced. We. I've done this a zillion times because in my job, what I do for work, I, I stare at a blank week every 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 time Monday rolls around. It's like I've got this blank schedule for the most part. And I decide what I'm going to give my time to. This this is actually how it was when nobody was around when we started the church. Then it was blank. It's, it's less blank now. Okay, just in case you were wondering. Whoa, he has a blank schedule every week. What's he do? <laughs> but you you have this this week and i so i have really worked on time management hard and i i have to i have to say that often i have beat myself silly because of the time i feel like i've wasted just
1: <laughs>
0: so we have to realize it's grace that gives us the freedom the grace of god his undeserved mercy his just the way that he loves us for for who he's made us that that frees us to produce that's that's an important understanding we're going to look at that week five we're going to look at peace and chaos how going to God for help in prayer brings peace brings peace despite a growing list of to- do's that are not yet done prayer makes a difference in the midst of the stresses of life and We have to keep relying on him as we're deciding what's most important right now. He he wants to help. He walks through the day with us if we invite him in. So we need to do that. Week six, character required. All the strategies and techniques and being skillful at managing your time are useless if you don't have the character required to, to choose the right things. I think I've tried every strategy. Probably not, but it feels like I have. And what it always boils down I can feel so good. Oh, wow, look at that plan for the week. Look at that plan for the week right there. That's a beautiful thing. I spent three hours on that plan right there. And then it gets blown apart. And I'm thinking, oh, no, what? I still have to choose to to control myself and focus on the things that really matter. Character is required. It's more important than skill and technique and strategies. And then we're going to wrap up the series with first things. Learn how to identify the things that should be the priorities and avoid the things that, that sidetrack us. I hope you can join us for this series as we explore the important topic of what's best today. God, God's Word has a lot to say about this. It it deals a lot with using our time. It has a lot to say about the most productive life. The Lord gives a lot of help in this. As I wrap up, I'd like for you to take a moment and think about which villain is robbing you of the best life right now. Which one do you struggle with the most? Ambiguity? Not deciding what's most important. Something happens. And you you let the important go away and you focus on this right now. It could be ambiguity. It could be overload. Maybe you feel so overwhelmed that it's, it's foggy and you're not choosing to focus at all, much less on what's best. Maybe it's a lack of fulfillment. Life's bland. You haven't accepted the planting and reaping rhythm of life. Or maybe FOMO, fear of missing out. That could be the villain you're struggling with. A villain is not something you identify and then ignore. It's something you fight. And so in this series, we hope to help you learn how to overcome the villains. If you would, please take your connection card out of the program. I'd like to ask the worship team to come back on stage and ask us to prepare to receive the offering Uh, If you would, please fill out any any information or next steps on uh, that connection card. And when the offering comes around, when the ushers bring it around, you could drop that card in the offering. Here Here's some suggested next steps of mine. First of all, identify a villain to overcome and ask God for help. And then attend the rest of the series is another step. But those could go hand in hand. You identify the villain and then you... Keep working with God over the next several weeks to learn how to defeat the villain. And then also there's a place on the back to sign up for the Beyond the Balancing Act workshop. Love to have you here Wednesday night. It's right here in the ballroom. Child care is going to be in the back third of the ballroom. I think this will be very helpful just for stepping back and doing some thinking and planning about how do I choose the best thing to do right now. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth we see in your word, the guidance you give, and the help you give, Lord. And I pray that, God, you would, you would really give us the strength and power to take our next steps, bring continued clarity to our lives as we seek you and we seek to do good and turn away from evil. Help us in this, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.